Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast is being brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com. I wonder if I could get an audience with the members of Congress to plead the case of the American people. Like, aren't they there for us? I mean, I know I'm no Vladimir Zelensky, but certainly I can make a compelling argument why we should be allocating significant amount of money to major urban areas in America right now that are struggling, even areas that are literally the capitals of finance, like New York, and a lot of it is directly because of illegal immigration and a southern border that's in complete disrepair. But hey, don't worry, because everybody heard what Zelensky said today, and he needs more money, and he needs it now. I have heard every excuse about why we should be acting as quickly as possible when it comes to handing over more money to the Ukrainian government. This Ukrainian government, which, by the way, is riddled with corruption, always was, and I guess always will be, especially if we're not even allowed to ask questions. Now he's here saying, well, the winter gives the advantage to Russia. Oh my gosh, the Biden aid package is is gonna collapse. We may lose the war. Now look, my heart breaks for people who get caught up in these things, not because of anything they've done, with the exception of they pick lousy leaders. And by the way, America does the same thing. I had an opportunity this afternoon at noon to speak with a Palm Beach Republican club up at the uh, Kennel Club in the Paddock restaurant. Really nice, nice place, really nice people. My friend Sid Dinerstein was there and just, you know, an old friend, Pam, that I hadn't seen in I don't know, probably, probably a decade. A lot of people. And I think I get I get really disturbed when I realize that people want to get this sort of, you know, cheery assessment. I don't know, the state of the state of the union address via Joyce. And then I rain on their parade because I say the state of the union is we won't have a union unless we unless we seriously get leadership in this country that is unafraid. Unafraid to look Zelensky in the eye and say, hey, we want to help you. Europe wants to help you. We're not sure what that looks like or what that means. And we don't know if giving you more money is the way to help. I heard a, a general or an admiral on Brian Kilmeade's show this morning talking about how actually all this money that we're giving the Ukraine comes back to us because we basically give them our old equipment and then we pay defense contractors 
to create new equipment for us, which of course will be high tech and, and more modernized and all that. And I'm listening to this, I'm going, well, that's a, uh, that's an interesting spin. So in other words, the only way we improve the military is to fund another war somewhere else. Donald Trump didn't do that. And he got the military up. U.S. intelligence is now telling us that this war in Ukraine has killed a million people. 315,000 Russians have died. And I don't even think anybody has an accurate picture of how many Ukrainians have died. We know how many combat and non-combat deaths there were. But there's a lot of people who have left or who are unaccounted for. So you got Congress sitting there, and increasingly, mind you, skeptical Congress. Not because we don't have the right intentions. I don't think any of us wants to see Putin get even the slightest victory or think he can get a victory. And I don't think there's anything that we can say. I don't need context, like uh, Claudine Gay or anybody else, to understand that invading a sovereign nation the way Russia did for the Ukraine is not something that the superpowers should tolerate, especially when it's over land. It's 2023, fellas. Your borders are your borders. Preserve them. We could take a lesson in that ourselves, right? So I'm looking at, at all of the news reports because you can't even get a straight story from the media anymore. A document has emerged. Zelensky is trying to convince a skeptical Congress. He met with the leaders. He went one by one. He's meeting in all the offices. He was there with the Speaker of the House, and here he is talking to this one and that one. And I'm looking at this, and I'm thinking to myself, is this how we fight wars in this modern age? You come pleading to the powers that have money to fund it, even if you can't really win it. Now, I don't know if they can or cannot, but it doesn't look good. I don't think you have to be a military student or a military genius to understand that this has been a disaster. And not just for Ukraine. It's been a disaster for Russia, too. They can afford to lose you know, a, a, a third of a million people. They got tons. But this idea that you now come to the Congress and beg for money. Meanwhile, you know, Netanyahu is fighting a war for the very existence of Israel against multiple enemies, and all we get is rising anti-Semitism. That just doesn't, doesn't compute. Now the big deal. Ooh, a mystery death. Top diplomat. That's right, drop dead. Another Russian diplomat drops dead. Konstantin Alexeev's death is the latest in a long string of mysterious deaths to prominent people in Russia during the war against Ukraine. This is a former Russian consul general to Iran. His wife discovered his body. Mm. 80, uh, not, he was 63 years old, been a top diplomat in Iran for Russia, based in Rasht for four years, which is a big hub for exports and imports between Iran and Russia, right by the Caspian Seaport. 
and the the route is where Iranian arms are sent out, including the kamikaze drones that Vladimir Putin is using in this war. He's been a senior uh, official in the Russian Foreign Ministry, as you know, for a long time. And the causes of his death are now being established. Okay. Is anybody sitting around concerning themselves with whether or not this hapless dude who was involved in a terrible regime didn't get offed by Putin? Come on. What happened to Ivan Pechorin? What happened to Vasily Melnikov? What happened to Andrei Krukovsky and Dan Rapoport or Sergei Grishin and Andrei Batakov and Major General? I had to put a list together because you should know all the high Russian uh, you know, officials that have perished in the beginning of this war. Uh, uh, the General uh, Maslov. Um, uh, who else? Vladimir Makai. Vladimir Nesterov, a lot of lads. Victor Cherkasov. The list is really much longer. I, I can go on. I think I had, I, I came up with 40 people. And I'm sure I don't know all of them. So more than, now the, the, the news article that started my process said that there were more than 30 high profile. Well, I came up with 40 on my own. So I got to figure there's probably close to 50. And these are high-profile Russians that have died since Putin invaded the Ukraine. Coincidence? Not. I don't think anybody in their right mind thinks it's a coincidence. But this is the war that's being fought, and this is the war that we're financing. And I think people in this country are very pro-Ukraine, are very pro, you know, confront Vladimir Putin over there because he's a danger to the world. They're also trying to figure out why it is that we have people streaming across our southern border and the Department of Homeland Security and the FBI directors are both telling us that we have elevated threat levels here in this country. What are we doing about that? Have you noticed anything different? Been, been to the airport myself. TSA does what TSA does. No different. As a matter of fact, I think, well, I'm not going to say it. My last few encounters with TSA were easier than they were three, four years ago. So I, I, I'm one of these people, and I know many of my listeners are as well. I have nothing but empathy and sympathy for a country that gets invaded. But unless we were willing to do what needed to be done from day one, which was to get NATO together or to uh, put boots on the ground, that wasn't going to result in a victory for the Ukraine. It's just not possible. Not this way. So, Vladimir is in there, Zelensky's in there talking to all the bigwigs in Congress, and the American people are sitting back and trying to figure out how they're going to pay their mortgage, how they're going to educate their children, how they're going to put food on the table. And like, they're just not that worried about Zelensky and the Ukraine. They're just not. We're not a, a cold and callous nation. We're the antithesis. But we're really not uh, sure that what's going on over there is going to be resolved by us giving more money to the comedian turned 
president of Ukraine. I don't even know what he's called. He's not the president. The leader. So that was uh, the first thing I noticed. I went to speak to this group, and you know, I'm the kind of person who just says it like I see it. And I believe that if we don't get it right this election, we're not going to have a country. And if we don't have a country, where are you going? Because I have no plan to go somewhere else. I'm going to finish out the remainder of my life in the United States of America. And all I can pray is that it doesn't turn into a third world, banana republic, you know, bottomless pit of corrupt politicians or communist, socialist, slash, fascist, slash, Nazi government with a bunch of people running around going, I remember what it used to be like here. Do you remember when we had freedom? Do you remember before they took our stuff away, our money, our guns, everything? Remember what it used to be like? See, I'm too old to have to worry about that, but I think about it all the time, and I think about it in terms of my children and grandchildren. We have an obligation to think about that. So good luck, Mr. Zelensky. Uh, I want to do the right thing, but I'm no longer quite sure that giving you money is the right thing. I think there needs to be a strategy in place, and I think it needs to include all those European nations that are bordering on yours, and maybe a little less of us. Anyway, don't forget to download the app, the 850 WFTL app on your phone or on your laptop. That way you can participate in all of our contests. You can also listen to all the podcasts right on your phone. It's very convenient. If you don't like to do that, then just go to the website, 850wftl.com, and you can do the same things right there. I'm going to take a quick break. Stay right where you are. All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. So, of course, because anti-Semitism isn't bad enough, raging all around the world and raging right here in America, particularly on college university campuses, we need Kanye West to come out with a song referring to Jewish people as vultures and telling us that uh, Hitler wasn't that bad and that the Holocaust didn't happen that way. What way did it happen, yay? What happened to my grandfather's mother, father, sisters, and one brother? Did, 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 they, um, did they just disappear off the face of the earth? I remember my grandfather saying the last time he saw them, well, never mind. I don't want to confuse yay. He's just so skitzy. It's, it's very hard to keep up with him. He's, he's just that crazy. One has to feel somewhat concerned about these Hitler remarks. Not just, I mean, when he first did it on the Alex Jones show, it was one thing. But he was running around uh, during Art Basel down here in Miami wearing a black KKK hood. 
talking about uh, how he shouldn't have to defend anti-Semitism. What, what do you mean you shouldn't have to? Of course you should. I, I would have to defend any kind of racist statement I made. That doesn't mean that you can't feel that way, but it doesn't make it right. So he's got this new song out, Vultures. It's his first track since his anti-Semitic meltdowns, which ruined him anyway. His career is catered. And this is his first new song. Obviously, controversy is what he's counting on. He was on some Chicago radio show, Power 92. He's got two other, you know, uh, rappers there with him, Ty Dolla Sign and Lil Durk. I don't know what, who either of those are. And he addressed his controversial comments. Well, we all heard this a couple of weeks ago by saying, how am I anti-Semitic? I just... Mm, mm, I just had sex with a Jewish woman. You can't, you can't, you can't be like that and not expect people to be so turned off. He got kicked off of Twitter, which is hard to do. Alex Jones is back on Twitter. He lost his business relationship with Adidas. His agent, a CAA, dropped him. And they were going to do a documentary about him. That was axed. He said he lost $2 billion in one day because of his hate speech. Okay. And, and these other guys who are banding together with him, this Ty Dolla Sign and Lil Durk, good luck with your careers. I mean, if, if that's the wagon you're hitching your star to, I wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't start spending your money. Don't know that you're going to be getting any. But this is what's going on right now. Anti-Semitism is like actually kind of fashionable. You got a, a Polish lawmaker who was in the parliament, and they call him far right. And he takes a fire extinguisher out to put out some Hanukkah candles in Warsaw. There was an event going on, you know, it's like every country has those little, you know, let's celebrate Hanukkah, let's celebrate Christmas, except in California where you can't celebrate Christmas because the pro-Palestinian people will ruin it. So Governor Newsom caved. But this far-right Polish lawmaker, that's how he's described, used a fire extinguisher to put out Hanukkah candles in the country's parliament on Tuesday during an event with members of the Jewish community provoking outrage and leading the speaker to exclude him from the sitting. The disruption came ahead of a key vote on whether to approve newly appointed pro-EU Prime Minister Donald Tusk. Footage posted on the website of a private broadcaster showed Gregers Braun of the Confederation Party take the extinguisher before walking across the lobby of the parliament to where the candles were creating a white cloud and forcing security guards to rush people out of the ever out of the area members of the jewish community including children had gone to parliament they were invited by the speaker for the annual hanukkah celebrations afterwards he takes to the podium and calls hanukkah satanic and said he was restoring normalcy and they asked him are you ashamed he said, no, those who take part in acts of satanic worship should be ashamed. Yeah. Uh, 
but everybody hates the Jews. One should become painfully aware of what's going on right now. Hopefully we'll have some leaders of the Poland Catholic Church and all the rest of these uh, big honchos who claim to be Christians stand up. They've been trying to extinguish the Jews for a long time, so you can whip out your fire extinguisher and I'll remind you that from the time of the Maccabees right through October 7th and Hamas, the Jews are not going to be extinguished quite so easily. And there's a, there's a reason, because God is with them. I know we're not allowed to talk about that. I was telling the audience I spoke to this afternoon that, you know, I've been told for 33 years, don't talk about a religion and don't talk about abortion, Joyce. Those are not winning topics for you. As though they didn't affect everything else that's going on in this country right now. If I listened to what people, the advice that I got from people over the years about what makes good talk radio or successful talk radio, I would be probably working at some school somewhere in obscurity. But I never did pay attention to that because the one thing I know is people don't want to be told they cannot talk about certain things. The minute you say, don't talk about that, I'm going there. <laughs> That's just the way it is. That's the nature of free people. Freedom slipping away. Many of you think that it's hyperbole when Dan Bongino or, or, or I say something like that. Maybe you prefer the mild-mannered talk show hosts who say things like, well, we all have to come together and unite our parties and make sure that we're on the right side of history. I don't know what the right side of history is going to be, but I do know where I stand. And if it's the wrong side of history, then I'm going to stand there boldly. And I should be able to explain why. I have no problem whatsoever defending Israel. I have no problem whatsoever defending patriotism or the right of an American to do whatever is required to preserve the freedoms that they experience so that their children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren can experience that. That's a responsibility. I take it very seriously. And for those of you who don't, you could do a lot of other things at 3 o'clock. I know that. And I'm okay with it, okay? I want the people here who want to be here, and I want to be allowed to say what I say. I thank God that I've always worked for companies that didn't try to inhibit my speech and didn't tell me that that's not, they gave me advice. They'd always bring in the consultant who said, well, you shouldn't tell your age. People shouldn't have to know your age. Oh, stop it. I get a kick out of telling people my age because most of the time they say, wow, you really don't look it. Good, that's great. That's what I want to hear. <laughs> and I'm not embarrassed. I have lived a life, I wouldn't say it's beyond reproach, but it's been a decent life. I've been a good person. Not because I'm just innately good, but because I believe in God. And I try to live my life accordingly. I do have this unbelievable faith that the one thing you want to hear at the end is, well done, my good and faithful servant, well done. So 
hey, if, if you don't like my opinions, you're entitled. If you prefer that certain topics not be discussed in mixed company, and by mixed I mean amongst people who don't believe the same things that you might believe, be my guest. Believe me alone. All right. My father put his 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 whole life on the line to preserve the freedoms that I've been blessed to enjoy in this country. I know too many men and women who left body parts, if not their entire lives, all over the world in the pursuit of freedom. So that freedom includes my ability to tell you the truth. And the truth is, we're up against a very, very serious wall in this country. We're being destroyed from within. And I'm not going down without a fight. No, I don't think you are either. Anyway, let me take a break. Stay right where you are. I will be right back. And I know when I get very optimistic, like I sort of can, people just roll their eyes because they go one minute you're like sounding the alarm and then the next minute you're saying don't worry we're going to do better it's going to get better and then you read a news article like you know that they actually know and have established a report that the communist Chinese have taken attacks against the United States to a whole new level they literally have these hackers that are affiliated with the China People's Liberation Army who have been breaching all this American critical infrastructure. And this is what makes it really frightening. For a year, nobody knew. For a year, they targeted a water utility plant in Hawaii, a port on the west coast of the United States, an oil and gas pipeline. These are dudes like with computers who are, who have gained access to more than, this is according to the article that I read, which again, we have to be careful how much we believe in the Washington Post, but the Washington Post is not a conservative publication, and it's you know it is not going to write a report like this easily because it makes its side look terrible. It makes Joe Biden's administration and all of the people in the Democrat Party who've been watching this go on for years, and some of them been up to their eyeballs in it, including the president. The Washington Post said they've gained access to more than two dozen critical systems. It's something that they call, they have a name for it, the Volt Typhoon Cyber Campaign. And it first was mentioned about a year ago, according to the the, uh, Washington Post. So the hackers, obviously, it started out, they were just trying to get employees' credentials. You know, just steal your personal information. And the first thing that comes to my mind is, oh, I guess they were going to, you know, establish like credit and just abuse you, the individual. But no, that wasn't the point. They wanted to have an easy access to these systems. So in other words, this is, instead of using a back door, which is what hackers do, 
they could just log on and log in. So it's kind of like building tunnels into your enemy's infrastructure that you can later on use to attack them. And all you got to do is lie in wait. You know, do a little reconnaissance, like maybe a weather balloon flying over the United States of America. Just saying. Figure out if you can move into industrial control systems or more critical companies or, or just whatever, whatever target you choose. And then one day, if you get the order from the CCP, if Xi Jinping gets on the uh, horn, you stop doing reconnaissance and you go on the attack. And this is what people who study this, you know, uh, not diplomats, but academics who study China's interaction. So all I can tell you is I thought about immediately, and I'm sure many of you did as well, that the ransomware attack on the colonial pipeline that caused like fuel prices to jump and it was like crazy. This is how they snake their way into our infrastructure and I can see how many disastrous scenarios we could end up facing, especially if we wind up in a military conflict over Taiwan, which is looking more and more probable, not possible, probable. So the director of the Department of Homeland Security, Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, <laughs> first of all, why? Why do we have to have these stupid names for these agencies? Why do we have to have reports from the media explaining to us just exactly what is going on? The director of the DHS Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, which is referred to because we love the initial game as CISA, C-I-S-A, is reported as saying, this is a significant change from Chinese cyber activity from seven to 10 years ago, which at that time was focused primarily on political and economic espionage. So the goal of any threatening campaign like this is to basically set themselves up to have a pre-positioned advantage so that if you're engaged in a battle, you can trigger a cyber attack and then American infrastructure collapses. And if you had enough various systems, water, uh, I mean, I don't have to tell you what our infrastructure is comprised of, our crumbling infrastructure, as I keep being told by the Democrat Party, that's all they ever want to talk about is we need more infrastructure, re rebuilding. Okay, well, how about preserving it or preventing cyber attacks? Would that be considered more important or less important to you? An attack on a whole bunch of these systems at the same time would cause chaos in this country. I heard Dan Bongino and I was driving down here as I came back to do my show when I was coming from the Kennel Club. I'm driving down here and I'm listening to Dan Bongino. And you have to understand that the one thing about Dan that cracks me up is how similar he sounds to my husband. They think like two peas in a pod. They have very different backgrounds, so they, their language is very different. Like my husband sees things in more of a spiritual, kind of apocalyptic way, uh, and Dan sees him more in the, he's more of the law enforcement, 
cybersecurity kind of thinking. But I'm listening to Dan. I got in my car and I'm listening to Dan talking about, well, you better have food and you better have this and you better have that. And meanwhile, my husband and I never argue. We don't. We, we discuss some things and sometimes we get maybe a little heated, but never argue. We just don't. It's, life's too short and I love him too much. He loves me too much. We, we have a disagreement. We hash it out and everything goes. And, and I'm so grateful. But the one area where we keep like banging heads is his accumulation of all of this doomsday scenario stuff. I mean, and every now and then I'll be sitting there and I'll look up and he'll say, what do you think about this kind of flashlight? And I'll go, that's very nice, why? Well, you you know, it's charged by solar and uh, okay. I said, I don't think you have to order that right now. Too late. By within 48 hours, there'll be a box at the door. There's one at the door today. It's a six foot tall box. I don't know what's in it, but I assure you that he and I will be the last ones left standing <laughs> because he is, we have food. We have, I've always had food. That was not necessarily just something that he believes in. I was doing shows 25 years ago about having, having food supplies. I live in South Florida. We have hurricanes. Things happen. But imagine if there's a cyber attack and the infrastructure is all taken down, you better have a way to make sure that you're drinking potable water. And as Dan Bongino said today and cracked me up, and he's not talking about a Brita, okay? You gotta have, how close do you live to a nuclear facility? Because then you have to have certain medications. Do you have antibiotics? Do you have all these things? And it's like, literally, it's like listening to my husband speak to me through the radio with a, you know, with that accent, <laughs> that tough guy accent that Bongino has. My, my husband don't talk like that. But they were saying the same words. And I get it. You know, I don't think they're paranoid. I don't think they're conspiracy theorists. But I do understand that when I see a report like this, that the communist Chinese have infiltrated through cyber, our infrastructure in this country. They could compromise the critical infrastructure because they've already prepositioned themselves to do that. And guess what? All over this country, the utilities companies tend to be managed by private industry. They operate separately from one another, and I bet most of them are not hardened against attacks from our enemies like the communist Chinese. Just saying. So. One attempt to break into a power grid that's privately operated in Texas, we just saw that. There are electric utilities outside the U.S. that have been compromised. The water utility in Hawaii was probably targeted because of Taiwan. Oahu is the home of the Pacific Fleet. So I don't know how the hackers do Volt, Typhoon, Cyber Campaign, Typhoon. But it's blending in with the rest of the network traffic out there. They've figured out a way to avoid detection and warning bells are going off all over the place because they're preparing to invade Taiwan. And anybody out there who's too busy looking at the shiny thing, like the shiny thing today is Zelensky, the shiny thing, you know, last week was college presidents on Capitol Hill. Uh, there's lots of shiny things. 
In the meantime, China is just steadily infiltrating, infiltrating, infiltrating. Crazy. But that's my job, is to make sure that I don't let you not, I don't, I'm not going to allow it to happen to us and we end up looking at one another going like, well, how come somebody didn't say something? Did you know? We're going to know. We do the work. We find out and then we spread the news. Don't forget coming up after me, Eric Erickson, followed by the one and only Joe Pags and Lars Larson, the Red Eye Radio Overnight. Then Jen and Bill be back at 6 a.m. with the South Florida Morning Show, followed by Brian Kilmeade followed by Dan Bongino. And by the way, Brian Kilmeade will be on with me at 3.30 tomorrow because I did just read this latest book of his and it is ex- outstanding, outstanding. I don't know how, how this man does all the things he does. I can barely keep my act together with a <laughs> one-hour radio show. But hey, I got to give it to him and this book is worth reading. Anyway, let me take a break. You stay right where you are. I've got one segment left today. Huh. And I, even though I really just feel frustrated talking about this college professor, uh, deans, and presidents, because it's just, it's, it's not going to change. It's not about just Claudine Gay, and it's not about those individual universities. It's about an undercurrent in this country right now of anti-Semitism and the fact that you could get away with an evasive answer at a congressional hearing. Because trust me, If there were people on college campuses who were saying anything like that about Asians or about blacks or about Hispanics, there would be such an uproar, but it's Jews. So the members of the board, the Harvard Corporation, as it's called, deliberated into the night last night before finally deciding not to remove Dr. Gay. Now, I don't know what the decision was based on. But the fact that she's going to continue leading Harvard University is going to dissuade a lot of people from going there. And certainly a lot more people from donating large amounts of money. And I guess they figure they can handle that. But it's really distressing. When you have uh, Lawrence Summers, the former Treasury Secretary, Even he said, how do you do this? How do you not stand up on behalf of the Jewish students? There's 20% of Harvard undergraduates are Jewish kids, and they're scared to go to class. They don't want to be in the Hillel. You can't make this up. And now, of course, with these, you know, allegations of, of plagiarism, one thing about Democrats is, that you know, plagiarism is like part of their toolkit. They're always kind of fudging the line. Well, is it really plagiarism? It's kind of plagiarism. This is specious. It's politically motivated. You know, when things are politically motivated against Donald Trump, they tell me to shut up. But if things are politically motivated against the first black uh, pre- president of Harvard, oh, I can't. Nobody. You better not say anything. Anyway, I thank you for your time this time. Until next time, my plan is to be back here at 3 o'clock tomorrow, if it be his will and he delays his coming. What lies behind us and what lies ahead of us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. So wherever you are, just be yourself. Everybody else is taken. God bless you. God bless Israel. And God bless the United States of America. See you tomorrow.
The Joyce Kaufman Podcast has been brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com.